and welcome to uh, Jim and Ben's movie podcast adventure. The first episode. I am Ben and this is Jim. Did you just forget my name, Ben? Seemed like you forgot well, my name for a second there. It's difficult, it's difficult to remember your name because I feel like I'll probably change it each time I pick a movie. And this week I would like to call you Gizmo. Oh, Gizmo. Uh, Gizmo. For obvious reasons, you are a cute... Fluffy and adorable. So, right. Uh, I so I have shampooed my hair recently. So, you know, Ooh, actually I've got, fits. it's not quite gizmo, but I do have a, a baby Yoda sitting up there behind me. So, you know, it's, uh, well, they, they kind of have a bit more DNA than maybe some people realize. You yeah. Know. It's on brand. Uh, I, it's on brand. So uh, this podcast will be us, basically an excuse for us to catch up, watch movies Question. and talk about them. Uh, Is it answer. still a podcast if we have the videos. Look, I'm going to go with an executive decision of yes, because I don't know the answer to what it would be otherwise. I and think I'm not calling it a vodcast. I want to call it a vodcast. No. I'm just saying, if we're calling things by the name that they actually are, this is a vodcast. Well, look, this can definitely be something you get to choose uh, when you get to pick movies. So let me explain the premise. So today it's we're going to take podcast. Today is just a podcast. So we're going to take turns picking movies uh, that we both have to watch. And I'm then just going to interrupt you again. I yeah. love that you are so confident that we're going to do this again. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm pumped for it. Like it's not often I have an idea, tell you the idea, and then we actually execute the idea. Yeah. It so, usually gets stopped at one of those steps. You usually get stopped at me telling you the idea, you being excited, and then me never following through. It's true. It's true. Okay, so so so, so look, Ben, with the um the optimism there that this is going to be something we do semi regularly. Yeah. So with the inaugural pick of movie, which uh, we have probably already spoiled, uh, I chose Gremlins, nineteen eighty four's Gremlins. Now you hadn't seen it, so I'd never seen Gremlins, um, and you know when you sort of pitched let's do a podcast not a vodcast mind you but a podcast um, it was a podcast this week you you know sort of said that each week one of us would pick a movie and then we'd both watch it and then we'd jump on here and and talk about it and you picked gremlins and i'm like oh, I've, I've never seen that so what what happened was let me take you back to my childhood um where where I wasn't really allowed to watch horror movies and Gremlins is probably the softest horror movie you could possibly have, but that oh. didn't matter. You know, um, it has the scary looking gremlin on the, the, you know, in that, in those days, VHS cover, that, you know, that would be Stripe. That would be Stripe the gremlin. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I wasn't allowed to watch it. And then once I like, got older, I had no desire to watch it because I didn't want to watch a children's movie for the first time that I'd never seen. Now, do you, do you still think of this as a children's movie? I don't know what this is. Um, so <laughs> we'll get into it. Let me, let me, let me run down the stats before we start. Okay. I think it's, it's important. So Gremlins released in 1984, directed by Joe Dante and written by not famous yet. Christopher Columbus or Chris Columbus. So I was amazed. Who of, of the fame of Goonies, Christmas with the Cranks, and 1985's Young Sherlock Holmes. I refuse to mention the rest of his films. Home Alone? <laughs> I'm not mentioning the rest of his films. But you got to mention only, Home Alone. I, I'm only mentioning the ones he wrote. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I was pretty amazed when I found out it was Chris Columbus who actually wrote this because this is, you know, not what I associate Chris Columbus with. No, not at all. I, my my knowledge of Chris Columbus was like, you know, Home Alone 1 and 2 as director, uh, Harry Potter 1 and 2 as director, um, and then uh, Percy Jackson and The Lightning Thief as director. And I was like, yeah, he's okay, I guess, you know, yeah, he's yeah. fine, like, you know. But then, well, so the story of how this became a script is kind of odd. Tell um, me, because I have he, no idea. He wrote it purely as a spec script. He never intended the movie to be made, and he gave it to Steven Spielberg, and he's like, "This is original. We're going to make it." And he's like, "No, no, I'm, I was joking. Like, it's just to show you how I can write." And so they literally made it off a spec script that he never intended to be made into a movie. Well, that's pretty cool. And he. Yeah, so it it was never meant to be a script to be made, uh, and apparently originally was much darker. I um, can kind of see that. So, okay, so this movie, like I, I like I said, I watched it for the first time this week, and it's Christmas Eve. There's a boy man called Billy who's in high school. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, but works we at have the bank. to. I don't think he's still in school. I think he's like a recent graduate who goes back to school because he thinks it's cool. Okay. Well, he's like, because the first thing he does is, I was confused because at the start of the movie, he's working in a bank. And then like a few scenes later, he's like, I'm going to take this to the high school teacher. And I'm like, what? But I think he was just like visiting his favorite teacher from high school who happened to be like a kind of a weird, mean geneticist. Um, (laughs) How mean are people in this movie, by the way? So, so... I just want to point out, uh, I forgot to mention, Joe Dante may have directed one of my favorite worst movies of all time, and that is Small Soldiers. I just wanted to come back to it. I love Small Soldiers. Soldiers. I love Love me some Small Soldiers. I think if this is something we do more than once, Small Soldiers (laughs) might appear. It's got to be on the list, right? Um, So yeah, uh, also of note, just before we kick off into the actual story and, and meat of the film... Uh, this is the first Steven Spielberg produced film with the well-known Amblin logo of E.T. in it. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. And uh, a story that we've spoken about before, uh, the Indiana Jones PG-13 controversy. Mm-hmm. Oh, not controversy or I think. Um, this was actually part of Spielberg's pitch uh, to the whatever MPAA or whatever it is mm-hmm. on introducing PG-13 because they wanted him to remove certain things from this film. And he's like, well, how about we just do this new rating? So, I didn't realize Gremlins yeah. was part of that. I knew it was Temple of Doom, but you know, Gremlins and Temple of Doom are considered the impetus. Temple of Doom more. Look at um, you with yeah. the research. Of, I know, right? Like you know. Um, also, you'll notice in the titles an early credit because of Amblin of uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, yeah. mega producer yeah. of Star Wars and Disney fame. So, um, yeah. All right. So there are my stats. So I, I want to just get a base pitch from you. What did you think of Gremlins? I've just got some questions to ask you about this film, but I want to start broad. What did you think? I, Not asking for a rating. But just what did you think? I liked it. You know, I, I, you know, it, it was not what I expected. And then I was sort of like, but what did I expect? It's a family horror movie. Um, <laughs> well, there was actually controversy when it was first launched because all the trailers and promotional period uh things didn't have the actual gremlins in them they just had like gizmo and so like there was families walking out of this movie when it first aired because they didn't realize they thought it was like a christmas fun little family monster movie right and then the gremlins come in 
and yeah, it, it changes pretty quickly. It does it's, into a, like a horror comedy. It's yeah, it's I mean, it's it's still a very mild horror comedy, but people die in this movie, mm. <laughs> and like oh, I've I've got death counts if you want them. So <laughs> I was just like, like for, I, I I literally was like, it's such a mishmash of so many things that I look at it and go, who was this for? You know, like I I. I think maybe the answer is like teenagers, like maybe, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those first attempts at kind of the eighties teenager holiday movie, although it wasn't released anytime near Christmas, which is when it's set. Really? It was released in the summer. It was released in summer holidays. Um, so it was meant to be released in Christmas, but it just wasn't. Um, so, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's crazy what, they made in the eighties, I suppose, is what this comes down yeah, to. I mean, look, I liked it. I did. I did enjoy the film, and I thought I thought it was well made. I thought it was much better scripted than it had any right to be, actually. So, um, like the the script's pretty pretty. Go tight. Chris. But it also had like a lot of weird things, and I think things that if you were to watch it, like I was sort of watching it maybe with a modern lens a little bit. Like there was a lot of plot threads that came up that I was sort of like oh, that's going to pay off. And either it kind of did or it so, like, you know, or it didn't like, you know, the fact that there were multiple characters and plot lines that were completely abandoned in the edit. Right. See, it's like, so for example, like the bank assistant manager, like his rival. Yeah. Who never Ju came back uh, in the movie. Uh, what was it? Judge, Judge Reinhardt. Yeah. 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 He was in a lot more of the movie and had like a, a thing, but it was just cut out. So, well, there you go. Like, so, and then there was like that, that Mrs. What's her name? The evil woman, Deagle, Mrs. Deagle. And I was like looking at this character and I'm like, you are literally a cross between the wicked witch from Dorothy and Ebenezer Scrooge. And I she was, was like, as intended, literally like, it was like those two characters, you know, had a child. Well, it was it, this whole subplot about how she's shutting down the town. And, and like evicting people from their homes she and kill his dog. Kill dog. It's just, she's literally like, I want to murder your dog. And she I'm like, exists for a satisfying human kill you don't feel sorry about. Yeah. And and That's... mission accomplished, you know. Um, like... oh, best kill of the movie. Best kill of the movie. But it was like, then there's like, so, okay. So there was her, which I was like, oh, wow, you're, you're just terrible. Um, and then there was the dad who's an inventor and they really like, he's an inventor, he's an inventor, he's an inventor. And they kind of paid it off. Like, because there's that scene with the mum where she's like, you know, kind of killing the gremlins uh, in the house. And she sort of uses the inventions. And I was like, oh, so this is going to be like a big, let's use these malfunctioning inventions scene, but it never quite went there. So then I was sort of like- Can I just read to you from my notes very quickly? Do it. Uh, here it is. Randall Peltzer, worst inventor, even worse father and husband. Um, he is the most incompetent side character I've ever met in a movie. So here's an example. He creates a juicer that peels the oranges and juices them. This movie's set in 1985. That was invented in 1945. <laughs> the smokeless ashtray he invented in 1984, invented in 1981. What? Sorry, the what is the smokeless ashtray? It's its whole concept is you're meant to be able to like 
put the smoke in the ashtray or put the ash in the ashtray and no smoke's supposed to come out of it afterwards. So it keeps the smell of the cigarette away after you're finished with it. Oh. The cordless phone was invented in 1980. He has a really bad version of that in his house. The electric hammer, a patent was filed for that in the 1940s. And it's not a hammer that kind of swings down. It's just something you hold and it kind of knocks the nail in like that. He spends $200 that they can't afford because they can't barely pay their rent on a mogwai for his son's birthday in 1984. I had a question about that. I was, because but this is the, the point in the movie before I knew that he was terrible at his job, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, you know, laying out the $200, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, this, this kid must be from like a well-off family because I knew that it was like about a kid. And then I'm like, no. wait a second, where did he even get the $200 to pay for the Mogwai? And why does he spend it on, on this? <laughs> this he you know. should be taking it home and giving it to his wife. Uh, because yeah. Also the orange that that lady puts into that juicer and then the orange juice that comes out of it, Breaks physics, <laughs> but that's beside the point. That's beside the point. But it does get a payoff. You're right in the kills, which makes me want to also read from my notes. Billy's mum is a beast, just a hardcore warrior. Fight or flight, no such thing. Just fight. She's presented with a situation, immediately adapts, and gets the first three kills of the movie. Not as far as gremlins go. She is very comfortable just straight up murdering these things. Like, oh, <laughs> Peter would have a field day. Like, it's like, okay, we've found a new species for the first time, life on Earth, or maybe they're yeah. extraterrestrial. We don't know. Kill it, kill it, kill it. Yeah. She was originally meant to be killed off as well. Okay. okay. Um, as one of the darker things that was cut before it was even filmed was... Uh, she was meant to have been killed by those gremlins and like Billy comes home to her head rolling down the stairs. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very different movie. <laughs> it's a very different movie. Right. But um, yeah. So basic plot boy gets Mogwai, uh, which under <sighs> circumstances you couldn't get away with today as far as presenting race in film. Um, so for example, the top four people build in this movie, right? Uh, Zach Galligan, Billy, Phoebe Cates as Kate, Hoyt Axton, who is Randon uh, Peltzer, and John Louie. Who do you think John Louie is credited as playing? Chinese boy. Okay. You can't do that anymore. Like, he, he's the little nephew in the, in the store who, right, like, sneaks okay. the mogwai out. Okay, okay. Um, also, the depiction of the grandfather is, is not great. Um yeah, like, it's it's not what would yeah. be done now. Like, for sure. you can definitely make this movie a hundred percent with no impact and just have him as a normal Chinese <laughs> man of Chinese descent. Like, it, it's 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 very eighties again. Like the caricature characters. Like well, this this whole movie is caricature. Caricatures, okay, so like. if you if you want to talk about like if you want to talk about that for a second, like what was I don't. I'm, okay, I look at a film and I try and think about theme, right? What's the theme yep. of the film? And I'm like, is the theme of the film we we don't like foreign people in America? Is that so? Is that the point so of this movie? If you if you listen to my favorite character, which is uh, Mr. Futterman. Oh my gosh! Um, yes, Mr. Futterman. Yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, interesting fact about Mr. Futterman: uh, he does live. 
he doesn't get killed in this movie because he is one of four returning characters for Gremlins 2. <laughs> but he had the snowplow accident. He lived. Somehow. They don't they never explain how, but he is in the second movie with uh, Billy, Kate, Mrs. Futterman, and him, and Gizmo are the only returning characters. Wow, okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, so very kind of poor representation of of yeah race in this film like for example the classic cliche that is hopefully not classic anymore the first person to die is a person of color uh the teacher he's black yeah, right okay okay so i didn't i didn't actually think of that but yeah so there there's there's definitely some weaknesses in this film as far as those sort of things go but like is that i mean there's there's sort of tropes you know when you say like you know it's the 80s those tropes aren't great like those tropes would never be done now and then there is the theme of the film is the theme of the film like is it xenophobic is that like the whole i would actually i would actually like, offer that... that it is anti-western consumerism because the the final speech of the film from uh, mr wing and i saw that. is like hey the west can't be trusted to to take care of such a creature and then he kind of like, Billy, you might be able to one day, but not the rest of the world. So I think ultimately it's an indictment on, on, on Western greed, <laughs> um, strangely enough, but not presented like that until right at the end I of the know. film. I know. I'm like, do you, is, that, is, that, is that sort of, you know, spending a lot of time presenting one angle and then just back? Bah, but not really. We don't mean it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. So... That kind of brings me to, as I said, main plot of the film, boy gets Mogwai, boy stuffs up getting Mogwai by breaking all three rules. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the three rules? I do. So it's, it's, they, they can't get wet. Um, yeah. Don't feed them after midnight's the big one. Uh, and bright light. Avoid they light. They yeah. don't like bright light, but I mean, it's not like kill them. you know, Billy. <laughs> okay. So let's. Let's talk about the casual cruelty of this movie. Um, like, yeah, animals so, are not seen in a good light. I'm like, I was also kind of amazed at that because Billy the hero, like when he spills water on um, Gizmo, and Gizmo is like having a fit on the. On to the, be fair, he doesn't. He doesn't spill the water. Uh, right. Corey Feldman does. <laughs> right, but but you know when the water is being spilt and and on Gizmo, this you know adorable little Mogwai creature. Um, Billy and, you know, the other kid, they're just like checking out these new gremlins. They're not looking at the, the Mogwai having a fit on the oh, counter. Oh, he's, and he's exhausted and in pain. Yeah, I know. After doing it. Like he's sitting there going, uh, know, like he's they, had a bad time. And they're just like, huh, it bred, it created more. And, and then this dude is the worst pet owner ever because I don't take my pet to like a scientist and then go, hey, look what happens when we do it again. A high school science teacher, not right. a scientist. Right. And then, and then he says to the scientist, uh, the high school science teacher, he's like, hey, look what happens when we do this. And he puts the pet in immense pain again, just for fun. And Gizmo's like, uh, sticks with this guy and is like, you might be okay. I, I don't, I don't think You're so. the best of the bunch. I don't think he is. So what do you think? There's a massive nerd argument that comes out of this movie. Do you, do you think you know what it is? Like, it's a pop culture nerd argument. No. What is it? What is After Midnight? What? Well, isn't everything After Midnight? 
Oh, no, because I, I took that to mean they don't like bright light, so that stops at dawn. Okay. So, yeah, I was going to say my argument is it's like the first few hours after midnight, like 12 till 6 a.m. Yeah. It's like, kind of when you're not meant to feed them. But just for brevity's sake, they said just don't feed them after midnight. Yeah. Like until you yeah, wake up the next day. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who are like, well, every time's after midnight. Like, you know. Do they speak I mean, like effectively. That? Yeah, that's how I imagine <laughs> people like me speak. So, um, but yeah, so, and then obviously don't get wet, bright lights. Um, now, there is more of this explained in the novelization of this movie. There's a novelization of this movie? I, I won't go too far into it. It is literally insane. Have you read um, the novelization of this movie? I've read excerpts of the novelization and like a breakdown of it uh, over time, over this last week. So, I love that. In I love the first how you like walk that back. You're like over time, over this last week. week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, about, uh, an explanation for Mogwise is never presented in the first or second movie where they come from. The book tackles this in a way that I can only explain as insane. Uh, Mogwai are aliens created by other benevolent aliens to spread peace throughout the universe. But they're a failed experiment. And that all Mogwais created from original good Mogwais are evil. So the experiment is an abandoned. So uh, Gizmo is an abandoned experiment who was sent to Earth and is a failure. Um, there is more to it. That's It's super weird, but that's the general gist of it. This is not as accepted as canon, by the way, but it is the only written like explanation of where Mogwais come from. There you go. So, yeah, so this guy was like tasked with writing a book. Nobody looked at what he wrote. <laughs> and then he just handed this in and they're like, well, we don't have time to cash it on this later. So here we go. Wow. Um, yeah. That so it adds to the mythos of Gremlins, the movie, though, like, you know, that it's got this wacky novelization that doesn't really make sense. It's it's like it's like Star Wars novelizations of films back in the day. Like they add all these extra details that aren't canon, and and they did the same thing, but it's just super weird. Um, so the main bad guy in this film is Stripe the Gremlin. Mm. Now Stripe the Gremlin, even before he becomes a Gremlin, is a psychopath. Yeah, like he actually displays all the classical symptoms of a psychopath. And that was the other uh, thing. It's like the. It's not like all the Mogwais are good. It was quite clear that Spike's batch were not okay. You know, like they they yeah. weren't good little creatures, Furbies. And so, like the the clues are there before Billy even clicks on. Like he literally ties his dog up and yeah. hangs him from Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, you know, all these different things, like Spike's clearly the leader. Well, Spike's clearly a mental patient. Like, you should have taken care of that. You obviously have no compunction over animals. So, but yeah, like, S Spike is the, the, the criminal, so we, uh, shall we say. But they're also, so, like, super cool with, like, first of all, there's, a new, there's a new species, okay? It's like, here's, here's a new species, cool. And then the mum comes up and there's, like, weird you know alien sacks all over the room and she's kind of freaked out but not nearly enough like well, she lives she lives with randall peltzer yeah, she's I seen guess. some stuff okay fair enough yeah yeah yeah. 
Imagine like, the failed inventions we've never seen. It's like, and then, and even when they when they multiply them with water, and then they're like, you know, they should be more disturbed by that. They're like, neat, neat. Check we've encountered a new form that animals reproduce by, <laughs> never even heard of. Like they multiply with water, like it, it's. Uh. So, also, I want to point out. I never noticed this until watching it this time. Mogwais make mogwais, gremlins make gremlins. So when a gremlin wins, they go straight to gremlin. They, yeah. they don't do this. That actually kind of blew my mind a bit. I'd, I'd never kind of I thought in my head for some reason that they make mogwais and then he turned them into gremlins. But actually, yeah. you know, and I that kind of what that sequence of gremlins turning into gremlins sort of brings me to I didn't dislike this movie. All the things I'm saying about it probably make it sound oh, like I don't like it. I love it. it. <laughs> it's it's insane, but it's quite enjoyable and that sequence where they they chuck um or, or spike ends up in the pool and you know then they do the multi the, the multiplying in the pool that's actually a really cool sequence you know with the smoke and yeah. the huge pullback of the camera and stuff like there's 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 props to be given uh you know here and there for for uh, for this movie. So, so this movie is actually lauded as being incredibly well-made with VFX and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, it, it actually shares common DNA with another movie that has some bonkers side plots when you think about it in that this was filmed on the same set town set as the original back to the future. That makes a lot of sense, <laughs> but it was before the original back to the future. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's the original, it's the same city set. Like as far as the layout of the it's town, the and you can even see it, right? Yeah. But it's the same layout. Like you can even see kind of like where the clock tower would be compared to and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, like it's this, the animatronics in this film was so expensive that every time shooting finished for a day, they would check everyone's luggage when they left the lot. I was actually they just didn't want them taking props home. I was super impressed at the puppetry, like the the level of expression and nuance in the puppetry. You know, whether it was the Gremlins or the Mogwai, I was like, there is there are so many, you know, uh directions being input into that puppet's face and ears and eyes and mouth like you know and and i was just like that's yeah really impressive you know so and and you know some of some of the wide shots like they were maybe using marionette stuff but it was yeah. still good it was still like really well done and it never takes you out of the film even no. now and they're super expressive like i was i was i was actually very impressed with uh with all that stuff so particularly going 1984 relatively small film like you know cool 11 million dollar film um it was actually more expensive than spielberg wanted to make it for but 11 million dollars was the, the making of it yeah wow yeah that's that's a fair bit in in 84 yeah. i guess you know so it, it was the fourth highest grossing movie of that year at 212 uh, over all of its runs 212 million dollars it got back so okay. that's without merchandising so that kind of blows my mind like so this was popular when it came out yeah it was the for most of the year it was the second most popular film of the year i believe like oh, i've got it here it was actually released the exact same weekend hang on sorry i don't have this factor with me i just remember it. Uh, listen to that clear gamer the mechanical keyboard clack, yes clackety clack uh i forget 
release same weekend. Uh, I'm vamping. I'm vamping. I'm Gremlins was released North America the same day as. Oh, it was released the same day as Ghostbusters. Oh, okay, fair enough. The only reason it wasn't the top movie of that weekend was because of Ghostbusters, wow. uh, which makes a bit of sense. But those two movies were the, like the two of the top grossing movies of that year. Yeah. Wow. So okay. I mean, so I like I knew it was like a I knew it was a classic. I just I guess I thought it was more of a cult classic where it didn't hit no, when it came out, but it actually was. It was hit. appreciated in its time. Wow. There you which go. is nifty. Um. So. I do just want to finish off two facts about two people we've spoken about. All right. Uh, the first is uh, Hoyt Axton, who plays the dad. Now, Hoyt Axton's career is long-spanning and so many TV shows, so many movies, bit parts, big parts, all that sort of stuff. But what he is actually, I think, most famous for is he wrote Joy to the World. Like, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. No. That song. He wrote that song. He didn't perform it. I, he wrote it. His mum wrote Heartbreak Hotel for Elvis Presley. He was partially picked for this film for his narration because of his voice. He's a country and western singer. I believe that. Like, his, yeah. his voice but was awesome. 100% he wrote Joy to the World. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Okay, before you get to your last fact, I don't know what yep. the last fact is, but I'm just... It's a weird one. I wanted to talk about one other thing from this movie. So Kate tells a story. Wait, 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 wait. I've got this. Is this your last The fact? worst thing... No, no, but I've got this. The okay. worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Yeah. Oh God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and my mum were decorating the tree, waiting for dad to come home from work. A couple of hours went by, dad wasn't home. So mum called the office, no answer. Christmas day came and went, still nothing. So the police began a search. Four to five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. I was, it was snowing outside. The house was freezing. So I went to light the fire and that's when I noticed the smell. The fireman came and broke through the chimney and me and mum were expecting them to pull out a, a cat or a bird. And instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed as Santa Claus. He'd been climbing the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arm loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped, he broke his neck, he died instantly. That's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Okay, that in the movie is the darkest thing in the whole film. I was like, there that were... There were massive fights with the studio about that speech. Well, I can see why, because I was like, what on earth is happening? Like, you know, and I was just like, that's, I was like, and it's just this left turn. It just like arrives, you know, towards the climax of the film where we just do this story. And not only that, but Billy in that scene, once again, proving what a jerk he is. He's not even really listening to her. He's like fidgeting with stuff in the corner she's pouring her heart out and telling this awful story about her childhood and he's basically like uh-huh uh-huh yeah, so apparently you know it was quite a popular urban legend around that time right. that story and he and uh it was written in the script because he thought columbus this is that it showed the perfect mix of the comedy and the horror of the movie the I studio wanted it there it's it's only comedy is it's so out of place yeah okay um and the studio wanted to cut uh 
but Columbus is like, no, I don't want to cut it. He went to Spielberg and Spielberg's like, well, I think it should be cut, but I believe in your vision. And they kept it in the movie. Well, it is an insane detour. I, I, I felt it like I was literally like, I think the most horrified I was in the film was when that story was told, like, you know, um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And now on with your last fact. Well, it's a bit of a double. So Dick Miller, who played Mr. Futterman, he has been in every single Joe Dante movie or TV show that Joe Dante has ever done uh, until he unfortunately passed away. What is even weirder is that he has played a character named Walter Paisley on six different occasions and they're not the same character. That is very strange. I mean, that's like... yeah. That's like trivia. That's like someone yeah. done that for fun. You know, like after the first couple of times I thought this is funny. Yeah. Well, okay, I also want I also quickly want to mention, I want to know what your who your favorite gremlin was. Because there are some distinct gremlins in this movie. I have a favorite, and I want to know if you can guess what it is. You mean Gremlin or Mogwai? Gremlin. Gremlin. So after they have metamorphosized. Yeah. Um so do you want to know who my favorite was or yours? I, I want to know who your favorite was and if you can guess who my favorite is. I think my favorite gremlin is, well, I mean, like, I, I not all of them are really distinct, but they have moments. No, no. So I think- There like, are something like 600 gremlins in the movie and only like six of them are kind of named. Yeah. Well, I think probably like one of my favorite moments is when there's like- what seems to be like a Jack Nicholson type gremlin at the bar, like at the, at, in the bar. And he's like sitting at the table smoking. And then the other gremlin comes up and starts like messing with him. Like, and there's this like scene that goes for quite some time of these two, like one's just super stoic and the other one's trying to mess with them. And they're like getting on each other's nerves. I think that gremlin who messes with the other gremlin, that's probably my favorite. And I'm guessing your favorite is probably Spike's girlfriend, uh, Stripe's girlfriend, uh, gremlin in the movie theater. No. no, no. My favorite gremlin is a gremlin you could not do in today's age. The flasher gremlin. Did you not see the gremlin who has a trench coat and goes, no, I missed that altogether. He's in it twice. Oh, really? So there's a there's a gremlin who's got like a a, a brown overcoat on and he's it's he's first in the bar scene and the camera pans to, uh, the camera pans to him and he's like whoop and he's just a gremlin underneath yeah. like all the other gremlins and then he's sitting close to Spike in the movie theater and he does it again. I can't believe I missed that twice. I like but... he's right around where the 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 mugger gremlin is too. Yeah, that that's pretty. Funny. He's got the balaclava on the guy. and that's yeah. the other like absurd thing about this movie is the gremlins like can kind of speak and they know all about our popular culture even though they one of my questions was how intelligent are they because it's not clearly defined and they're born with an innate sense of pop culture yeah so also like the the link from from gremlins to pokemon like that's that's uncanny you know like one had to inform the other surely have you ever seen have you watched the original star trek at all yes they're tribbles yes yeah 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 fair enough like like they're tri- uh, they're tribbles i don't know if that's a, a real connection that's just a connection i made in my brain uh they're, they're tribbles so i mean gremlins is a wacky movie um and 
I just want to point out that blowing up a movie theater is not the solution I would have had. But do you think Inglorious Bastards was informed by it? I was going to ask you the same thing because <laughs> I was I was like, this reminds me of uh, a certain Quentin Tarantino movie, and like yeah. You know, um, and obviously one of them came first, you know, uh, given Tarantino's love of cinema, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but, um, but it's not the typical Tarantino, uh, pull that he goes for when he makes no, his homages. N- not at all. Well, I mean, it kind of brings us to a close. We could go all night, dig into weird, different things. I've brought up all the things I wanted to and bring up on my journey fee for gremlins. You've probably noticed that I did yawn before, you know, yeah. um, like, well, for, the, for those of you who don't know, uh, old gizmo here is a early to bed sleeper. Yeah. He, uh, he, he clocks in pretty early. I mean, it is only eight 30 local time here, but that is about an hour and a half past his bedtime. It's true. And I have, I have kids who are small and after I put them to bed, I usually put myself to bed, you know, um, and that's, it's a seven 30. So I'm, I'm making the effort to do this podcast. It's a, it's a podcast pod. Might so podcast. to wrap up, thank you for watching gremlins with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, now it is your turn to choose the next movie we watch. All right. And for those of you who don't know, you have wide eclectic <laughs> and deep movie tastes and knowledge so i'm both excited and filled with fear so i'm going with something that you've seen for sure exciting but probably not recently it's also a movie that i haven't seen for a very long time and i don't think it's aged well (laughs) that's my favorite we are going to watch the Michael Bay classic. Oh gosh. If you Armageddon. say the R, I'm going to cry. Oh, I'm again. Yes. I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> uh, I strangely enough quote Armageddon on a semi regular basis. Yeah. I get uh, it. It's one of those movies that just, it pops into my head quite often. It has been probably close to 15 years since I've seen it. Oh my gosh. Or more. Okay. I look, I haven't seen it for a, for at least a decade myself. So, um, and I just remember, I remember having a ton of fun. And I also remember that the world has changed a lot since, <laughs> since Armageddon hit our screen. Is that the one with Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi yes, Steve Buscemi's in it. Oh, in I love it. a Steve Buscemi. Uh, Owen Wilson's in it. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy Bob I don't Thornton. I ben Affleck, Bruce Willis. Anyway, this is a this is a classic Affleck movie. We will get to it next time, and um, we'll just see how it's fared in the intervening years. <laughs> well, that's been episode one of Jim and Ben's movie podcast adventure. I'm excited to do our second adventure together, which will be Michael Bay's Armageddon. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Jim. I really appreciate it. No problem, Ben.